Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show. And tonight we are talking about the greatest performances of Bam Bam Bigelow. And I am joined once again by one Silver. What's up, man? Good evening, Logan. Good evening, wrestling fans. As we talk about one of the greatest big men in the history of professional wrestling, the late great Scott Bam Bam Bigelow. Yes, indeed. One of the uh, most agile big men that you'll ever see. Uh, probably the most, right? Um, other than Crusher, the only other guy on that level will be Crusher Blackwell. Right. Well, I mean, even I think he even just um, goes beyond him because uh, he just, like, jumped around there like he was Rey Mysterio, man. I mean, this guy right. was... Uh, very agile. Crusher Blackwell had one of the greatest drop kicks for a big man, but yes, you're right. Bigelow was more agile than Black Blackwell. Blackwell was a tremendous worker who, who who took better bumps than Bigelow, but damn, could Bigelow bump, as you see in his match against LT. Well, yeah, Well, so uh, tell us the three matches that we're going to be talking about. All right, from August of 1986, Memphis Wrestling, a phenomenal, spectacular Texas Deathmatch, Jerry the King Lawler versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Then we go to November 26, 1987, the first, the inaugural Survivor Series, the main event of Bam Bam Bigelow, Hulk Hogan, Ken Patera, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and The Rock, Don Morocco. Versus the natural Butch Reed, Ravishing Rick Rude, Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, and the One Man Gang. Then we go to probably the ultimate highlight of Bam Bam Bigelow's career. Main event, WrestleMania 11, Bam Bam Bigelow against the greatest defensive football player of all time, the legendary Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, and uh, he was. This was um, a, a awesome uh, thing right there. Like this is like a big event. This last one. So we're gonna talk about all that, but let's talk about uh, him a little bit in the beginning of his career. Like where did he start? This guy? 1986. He was the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year. I'm not sure if he was the Observer Rookie of the Year, but he was the PWI Rookie of the Year in 1986. Memphis was the first promotion. You know, um. Jerry the King Lawler, used to, who was booking and co-owner of Memphis, used to like to bring in these monster heels where he would play the, like the Rocky versus the monster Clubber Lang or, or Ivan Drago type. And Bigelow was perfect. And Bigelow was, without a doubt, the, best, the greatest working monster heel he ever had in the promotion. And what a great match as we talk about this first match, August of 1986, a Texas death match. To, 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 to end the feud between Bigelow and Lawler. Bigelow, look, he's dressed here like not in his traditional garb. He looks like a one-man gang here. But he's uh, he definitely has uh, that bully kind of persona that he's always had throughout his career. And, uh, man, he does. He looks tough. He looks like he could fucking kick your ass, and he probably could. And, and this, well, I believe he was a bounty hunter before he became a wrestler. So yeah, he can really definitely kick your ass. Anyway, so he and his stuff is so like when he takes punches, it really looks like. I mean, he's a great um, seller of punches. You know what I'm saying? 
One thing about Bezos, which I love, which to me he did better than than Van Vader, Big Van Vader, is that Bigelow was sell for a guy. You got monsters like Vader, Bruce or Brody, that they not necessarily would sell for you. Bigelow would sell the hell out of for you. Hell, I mean, he would bump and sell for you better than any big man. Yeah, man, and he would he would like jump a little bit when you punch him, so it even looked even more, you know. So. uh like when uh, Jerry Lawler, he really sold those punches. And Jerry Lawler's great at this, throwing them. This match reminded me of a Rocky versus Drago uh, uh, a fight. Because the beginning, Bigelow was destroying Lawler. Throwing him around the ring, landing that headbutt, which no no big man ever did that flying headbutt better than Bigelow. It looked like he was really trying to take your head off with his head. I mean, back, I mean, he was just Destroy Lawler and Lawler like Rocky Balboa in the in the Clubber Lang and Ivan Drago fights coming coming back as the underdog and giving it giving his all to try and take down the beast from the east. Yeah, I mean there's some good stuff in this match. I mean the um the punches obviously and then, you know, you have uh Bigelow basically like bumping all over the place, um with Lawler's comeback. But yeah, like he hit He's kicking the shit out of Lawler. But then they have that, like, back-and-forth moment where they're, like, uh, you know, trading blows and kicks and stuff like that, and they really look like they're fucking each other up. But, like, uh, Lawler's doing a great job of, like, History making him... History in wrestling. No wrestler threw a better punch than Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler's punches look so authentic. I don't know how he's not hitting you when he's really not hitting you. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and you got Bigelow there basically, like, popping up and, and really taking these punches. And meanwhile, giving it his own, man. Like, he keeps coming back. And uh, how many falls in this fucking match, man? They were like, It's a Texas death match. And for those wrestling fans that are ignorant to the rules of the Texas death match is, I pin you. After I pin you, you have 30 seconds to get up or you lose. It's until okay. you... You, until the guy cannot get up for a ten count after after a thirty second rest period, do you lose the match? So you could have forty falls, fifty falls. It's not until you go down, you get a thirty second rest period, and then the referee counts to ten. If you don't get up by ten, you lose. Interesting. So so the pins really don't mean shit, but they just there. Set up the pins. Set up. So you get a rest period. And then. The, the, the ultimate, like if you remember the Texas Death Match that we talked about in the greatest match series of Halloween Havoc '93, Vader versus Cactus Jack, where Cactus Jack would, where was pinned, he went down and then he tried to get up and then he got hit with the stun gun by um, Harley Race, and so he didn't make the ten count. You got to, you got to get up after t- you got you, the referee starts counting like in a boxing match. If you don't get up if you don't get up by ten. By the count of ten, your opponent wins the match. Well, this was like Rocky one or no Rocky two, kind of. Were Weathers and Stallone knocking each other out? Yes, yeah, they had a great moment like that. They they do that in wrestling a lot, but uh, there's a there's a Harry the King Lawler. I always felt patterned his uh, style after Rocky Balboa. You know, Jerry Lawler's a small guy. He's not a big guy. And he was always going up against these monsters. And he would always have to come back. He's bust- in, this match, he- in this match, he's busted open. He's all fucked up. This monster's throwing him all the ring. And then finally, the end of the match comes where they both go down and they're both trying to get up. And Lawler f- 
finally, they both are counted out, and then Lawler beats Bigelow getting up, wins the match, spectacular match, must see all you classic wrestling fans. And Lawler protects Sam Bam by having his manager accidentally hit him with the chair, which is the reason why he, like, he basically, like, doesn't... Great bump, great bump, yes. But but basically the idea is that, like, he kept him strong uh, even though he won because he won basically because Bam Bam got hit with a chair. Yeah. And, and Bigelow would come back the following spring to help Lawler in his feud with Tommy Rich and Austin Idol. And then... Law- oh, that must have been huge. Yeah, then Bigelow went to Dallas, and this was ridiculous. He, you, you, this guy was rookie of the year for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. He was in a highly uh, profile match with Jerry Lawler. He goes to Dallas World Class as a Russian, tr- crushing your cough. The fans didn't buy it. The shit flopped because he was all over PWI. Come on. Well, I mean, they, yeah, I mean, his his persona was so recognizable at that point. It was stupid, yeah. I remember that. But you know what? He, I think, like, he could, I mean, I, I guess, w, you know, it's surprising that WWE didn't even do that, you know? No, what what happened was, um, and Bigelow said this in his uh, RF video shoot from many, many years ago, that, you know, he was just taking the money. He went over there and... Uh, Fritz Von Erich was like, all right, we're going to make you a wrestler. Uh, Crusher, he, he, so he was making a jerk off. Uh, maybe Crusher jerk off? No, Crusher jerk off. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, because they, they were jerking off the fans with that fucking gimmick. But he didn't last that long because from there, he was signed by McMahon and he went to the World Wrestling Federation where um, they gave him initially a big push. And the highlight of his first run in the WWF was the Survivor Series 1997, I mean 1987, the inaugural uh, Survivor Series, where he teamed with Hulk Hogan, Scott Morocco, Ravish, um, I'm sorry, uh, Ken Patera, and Paul Landorf to take on Butch Reed, to take on Butch Reed, Bundy, Andre, One Man Gang, and Rude. Man, what a team. And, and you know, it's... Uh... I'm surprised he wasn't groomed to be a heel competitor to Hogan. You know what? You know, it, you know might have been the plan where he comes in as his face. Because he, after this um, Survivor Series, he teamed with Hogan all over the circuit. And, and they went to the Garden. They went all over the, the circuit. He was teaming with uh, Hogan against Andre DiBiase. And I think maybe the plan was for him to uh, turn on Hogan eventually, but... He suffered a knee injury and basically was let go after WrestleMania 4. Okay, so in this match, man, this match is crazy because uh, you got, like, all these big men. Uh, he's, like, kind this of... Logan, this is the battle of the super heavyweights. You got the steroid monsters and you got the fat guys. Oh, my God. And, like, uh, it was just... Non-stop, man. And, yeah, you got, like, fucking Rick Rude. You got Don Morocco, Hulk Hogan, fucking um, Paul Orndorff. And then you got all these big motherfuckers. And, yeah, they're knocking all over the ring. And, uh, the, I mean, I, I, you're right, though, to pick this match for Bam Bam because he does shine in this thing, especially towards the end. It's weird. They don't even let him, like, tag in for most of the match. Like, in most of the matches, like, uh, 
you know, uh, the the other guys, and then he kind of just they saved him for the end. Um, I, remember, I remember I was uh I was at a friend's house, and we ordered this. By the matter of fact, this was the first Universal pay per view. All right, I mean, the 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 wrestling classic was a pay per view a couple years ago, but nobody had pay per view. Nineteen by nineteen eighty seven, many many people had pay per view, and this was the first all across the board pay per view, and. This match, Bigelow is the star. I mean, he just carries this shit, especially the last 10 minutes when it's him versus the three monsters, Bundy, One Man Gang, and Andre. Yeah, the first time he comes in, he comes in with a double boot at Hogan, and uh, then he goes for a shoulder block on One Man Gang and bounces off him. <laughs> I mean, and that's a great bump he takes. I mean, it just shows, like, you know, him bouncing off uh, this huge guy who's, like, a little bit bigger than him. Uh, Rude is basically eliminated by Orndorff. Then you got, like, um, um, uh, Morocco eliminating Rude. Um, and then you have um, One Man Gang eliminating Morocco. Then you have... Um, Elimination Hogan. Yeah. Hogan eliminated Butch Reed at the very beginning. Right, and then you have Sunset Flip from fucking um, from Bam Bam when he's like uh, coming in, he does a Sunset Flip and gets caught with it, but basically he gets, um, you know, he, he does a Sunset Flip. I mean, this big guy, it's like I was pretty shocked to see that. I mean, you don't see a guy that that big doing something like that. Um, um, Hogan basically and Bundy, I think, like gets attacked. Like Hogan gets attacked by Bundy and uh, One Man Gang on the outside, and uh, he slams both of them, which is pretty fucking crazy. And then uh, he counted he's, he's counted out. He's counted out. He's counted out. So it's the the so it's Bam Bam versus yeah, the, like the um, uh, One Man Gang, Bundy and fucking um, uh, Andre. So um, Bundy's in there and. Fifteen hundred pounds against a three hundred and ninety pound guy. <laughs> yeah, Bundy's in there and like kicking his ass, but he gets some advantage. He fucking does that slingshot um, uh, splash on the Bundy, takes him out. Yep. Then, uh, then you got uh, one man gang who's beating him up. He goes to the top, he misses, gets pinned, and then uh, you got Andre coming in there and he does some great, you know. Rolls along, you know, trying to avoid Andre's attack, but Andre eventually. to avoid Andre, and this was smart booking by Patterson and McMahon. Uh, they had it where Bigelow had no nothing left. He did all against the first two monsters, so making him easy prey for the biggest monster, Andre the Giant, which keeps Bigelow's heat because he's worn out. He's got nothing left. Don't expect him to beat Andre. Andre pins him. One, two, three. Bigelow should have been a huge star after this. After this match, Logan, Bigelow teased with Hogan throughout the country for the next two months against DiBiase and uh, DiBiase and Andre. Then, for some, I don't know if Bigelow started missing or his ego started becoming too big for his own good. But by March, he was beginning to job to one-man gang all over the country. And at the at the WrestleMania 4 tournament, he got pinned in the first round by the one-man gang and shortly thereafter out of the WWF. 
So when is the WrestleMania with Lawrence Taylor then? All right, we'll get to that in a second. Let's just do a brief rundown of what happened to Bigelow after leaving in April of 88. He goes he, he goes to, um, he, he wrestles in New Japan, and he becomes a huge star in New Japan. And then in the fall of 88, he joined the new, the, 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 the new WCW run by Turner. And he, he enters there as a face with Oliver Humperdinck again, who was his manager in the WWF, as his manager in, in WCW. And he has a spectacular match uh, against Barry Windham at Starcade 88. But shortly thereafter, he goes back to New Japan, where um, he has tremendous success and, and makes a lot of money. Um, first feuding with Van Vader, then teaming up with Van Vader. And in 1992, they had some tremendous matches with the Steiner brothers and the team of Vader and Bigelow were the world tag team champions for New Japan, the IWGP tag team champions. After that run, Logan, he returns to the WWF in November of 92, where he begins a three-year run, and he had a very good run. He had one great match after another. One match we talked on the last show. His match at the King of the Ring, the championship match, the final match against Brett Hitman Hart, a phenomenal match. Listen to our last show. We we go into detail how great of a match that was. So he's coming back a heel. But yeah, he came back a heel, uh, managed by uh, what Luna, and they made a nice team because you know two scary motherfuckers, Luna and Bad Bad. Yeah, they look like they came from the same trailer park for sure. Rest in peace, Luna. She was one of the greatest workers in the history of professional wrestling as far as women go, and she died. Oh yeah. Like Bigelow, she died very young. Anyway, in at the Royal Rumble '95, him and Tantaka lost to Marty Jannetty in a one-two-three kid for the World Tag Team Championship. After the match was over, Lawrence Taylor is laughing at him, just laughing at him, and Bigelow shoves him, shoves him so hard that you would have thought, well, maybe this is fucking real. When I saw it, I was like, oh shit, Bigelow's fucking pushing LT. It made monster headlines all over the United States all over the sports world because Lawrence Taylor had just retired. He is universally considered, in my opinion as well, as the greatest defensive player in the history of the National Football League. The greatest football player, defensive football player of all time, period. LT was the shit. He was the man. This sets up a press conference attended by many, many, many people to set up the WrestleMania 11 main event, April 2nd, 1995, Lawrence Taylor, and great entrance, salt and pepper talk about asses. Dumb asses in them spandex. God damn! <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And so we get like... Um, they did a the, thing, what a man, what a man, for what a LT, what a man, you know? And God damn, them asses was... Just exploded for the minute they came out with LT. I wonder if he did a threesome with them after the match. <laughs> I would try. So he he comes in. I mean, this guy, you can tell he's green in the ring, LT, but like uh, Bam Bam really does a great job of basically yeah. like uh, genius, selling for him. Once again, the genius of McMahon and Patterson, probably the greatest looking duo in the history of professional wrestling, the two headed monster. LT? 
Bigelow. There's no, there would have been no other wrestler in that federation that could have gotten a match out of Lawrence Taylor that Bigelow got out of him. They used LT's athleticism with Bigelow's working ability and bumping style to make LT look like a million dollars in this fucking match. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great because he's, it was a classic, basically, uh, match. I mean, it was the baby face getting beat down at the beginning, uh, really looking like he's in over his head, you know, and looking like maybe that he got into something that he really shouldn't get into. He I mean, knows, he knows it, what he's doing. I mean, uh, LT is, uh, it gives him a, what you call, a, what you call that, hip toss. He's hitting him with the forearms. He's doing, um, he's doing shoulder tackles. And Bigelow, he, he, he tosses Bigelow over the top rope. Bigelow is bumping for LT. And making LT look like, oh, shit, this guy knows what he's doing. That's the genius of Bam Bam Bigelow as a worker and the genius of McMahon and Patterson in putting LT in with a guy that's going to make him look like a million dollars. Well, to me, this is, this is the ultimate showcase for Bam Bam Bigelow's bumping and selling ability, you know, and this is like what he does. He's a huge guy, and when you get a huge guy to like act like he's getting shocked, like when you punch him, he acts like he's getting like an electrical shock to his body. He it, it makes you like the person punching him look like so fucking powerful, you know, and that's what they do here. And, uh, they and make. I gotta give credit to LT. And I think him and Bigelow had many sessions where they practiced match over and over again, and they perfected it. LT, as great as he was, those forearms and punches that he was hitting Bigelow with looked authentic. Them shits looked like they hurt. Oh, yeah. That was his main move was the fucking uh, flying burrito, basically. Uh, it seemed like that's the one he preferred. Uh, but then he, he did a lot of shoulder football stuff. I mean, he's definitely better than Mongo McMichael. Uh, I'll tell you that, but um, you 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 write about that. <laughs> and he was, uh, I mean, I guess um, it just got so much publicity that it really like made that it was like the main event, right? It was the uh, last last match. Was it the last match of WrestleMania? It was the main event. Uh, they had a bullshit I quit match between Bret Hart and Bob Backlund that happened after this. That um really. Half the half the audience had left the arena while the match was going on. <laughs> oh man, I'd hate to follow this. I know you could. This this was a great great. I mean, unbelievable for LT's only match, his first professional wrestling match. It's hard to remember a guy with a greater debut as far as a high profile match. I mean, and all because Bigelow made LT. You know, he hit his weaknesses, and he um. Uh, accelerated his strengths and LT strengths was his, his athleticism and the and you know the the football maneuvers he was able to do. Uh, and um, Bigelow landed some spectacular flying headbutts. He had one flying headbutt that, damn, if he would have really landed it, LT would have never ever gotten up again. <laughs> oh yeah, LT was uh, great at selling, getting like, it looked like, and the, the heat was incredible. I mean, the crowd, you, know, you don't hear crowds like that today, man. Like, they were really, because you're right, in that initial angle, it looked real. It looked like they had some real beef. Shocked the hell out of me, and throughout this match, the crowd was deafening as they go, LT, LT, LT. 
And I and this was the model that they used for the Mike Tyson shit because the Mike Tyson like when Mike Tyson pushed uh, Stone Cold, that looked real, you know. And like I'm sure they got it from this. Logan, once again, Patterson and McMahon because this was oh uh, yeah. I mean Vince Russo was booking at the time, but that angle had Patterson and McMahon written all over it. I mean, just the way in which it went down, it, it looked like from some real beef. And you know the um, the the fight itself too. Like they made it look like it was a fight and not just like some stupid goofball like star wrestling match. Like they didn't have uh, you know uh, the, the LT do anything other than brawl with this guy, and uh, that was what made it good. Like I don't remember when they had Jay Leno come in with Hulk Hogan, you know, like and like got him into like bullshit. Yeah, it did his rock. <laughs> Dennis Robin falling asleep on the turnbuckle. God damn. <laughs> in any case, like, you know, this is the this is the thing that they all try to mimic, you know, when they bring in somebody from the sports world, but they never get it. But this one hit it on the head, man. It was like a big fucking deal. I can't I can't think of any other deal like that was bigger in terms of football player oh, wait, than wait, wait. this one. Kevin Green was probably the best. Kevin Green I I forgot which was it. The the one the, the, were you did you attend when um McMichael turned yes up? yes when when it was the Horseman yes and he was he was on the team with uh, Mongo McMichael and then he turned uh, Mongo took the briefcase and Kevin, turned on Kevin Green Kevin Green was spectacular in that match um the only reason Kevin Green only wrestled one of the match after that was his football contract prohibited prohibited him from playing football because they were afraid he was going to get hurt but Kevin Green would have been a great 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 wrestler I mean. Tremendous athlete. He had that look. And so Kevin oh, Green. Oh, he was so fired up. Yeah, he was so fired up, man. It was. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, Bam Bam's Bam Bam's promos were awesome too. He oh yeah. Do a promo. Yeah, because you know he he had a realism to this. He's like, oh, so you think you could play football? I mean, he was just great. But uh, one thing I want to add about that Kevin Green, which was which was great, when um Steve McMichael, it was an episode of Nitro. And uh, Steve McMichael challenged Ric Flair to a match against him and Arn Anderson. And um, what's his name? Uh, Ric Flair is like, oh, who are you going to who are you going to get? Who are you going to get? And, and, and um, Steve McMichael is like, I got somebody backstage that I'm gonna bring out. And I'm I'm gonna shock you. And Ric Flair goes, Who you got back there, Lawrence Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Nice, <laughs> nice callback. <laughs> Which was great because Lawrence Taylor, like Ric Flair, is one of the biggest stars to ever come out of North Carolina. So that, that was great because it was a Carolina crowd, and the crowd was in stitches. <laughs> so so Kevin Green was from North Carolina? Well, Kevin Green at the time was playing for the Carolina Panthers. Oh, okay. Lawrence Taylor played college football in North Carolina, and Ric Flair is the biggest wrestling star in history in North Carolina. So that's when it all came. came. And um, and speaking of Mongo McMichael, he was in the corner of Lawrence Taylor in this match. Steve McMichael, Mongo. He was? Yep. He was. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. right. That's it. This was his first entry into wrestling. Yes. Yes. And then a few months later, he would join WCW as their color commentator for Monday Nitro. Interesting. So yeah, so this whole thing, man, was uh, 
was a great success for a lot on a lot of ends, and uh, definitely like the capper for his career. But um, what would he? What would happen after this? All right, after this, he would turn babyface because DiBiase was embarrassed and was was turned on by DiBiase and the Million Dollar Corporation, and. Bigelow began what looked like was going to be a huge run as a babyface as he teamed with Diesel, and it was Bigelow, and they, they, the, the booking was tremendous. They were having Bigelow destroy one billion-dollar corporation member after another, but unfortunately, Diesel, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, and Shawn Michaels did not like Bigelow's push. They were against it, and they did everything to sabotage it. So, Bigelow was having... So, the same thing, same thing they did to Vader. Yes. They sabotaged Bigelow, and by the end of Bigelow's run in the fall of 95, he was basically a, a glorified jobber. Is there a Bigelow-Vader match around that's good? Uh, you, just, we... I gotta, I, you know what? When we do Vader's greatest performances, we'll whip it out. Yeah. Because I, cause I think I, I looked it up because I wanted to see if they ever wrestled. It. And, uh, they were both in New Japan, and they were a monster tag team. Those two, I mean, that's another agile big guy. I mean, he's probably another, you know, right up there with Bigelow. Um, and Vader is the greatest monster big man of all time. I would put Bigelow number two. There you go. Well, that match uh, is, uh, that's probably a classic. Now, the um, where do you, where would you say though like in terms of uh, his title matches uh, was his best match? Are you talking about Bigelow? Yeah. Like and he, does he challenge a lot for the title or not really? Yeah, well, he challenged. Um, now talk about his career. He would go to ECW a couple of years later, and he had some phenomenal ECW matches, world title matches against Taz. And then he went in the fall of 98, he went to WCW, and he had some tremendous matches with both Diesel and the world champion at the time, Goldberg. Oh, that's right. He had that Goldberg feud. That thing was hot, man. Uh, That was a hot feud. Very easy. They blew it off super fast. And then in the spring of 99, he formed a tremendous tag team with Canyon and DDP called the Triad, the Jersey Triad. Oh, yeah. I think I stopped watching by then. But uh, <laughs> and then, they, and then Bigelow, they, when WCW folded in the, in the spring of 2001, he was still on the contract at Time Warner for two more years. And Bigelow used to brag about how he stayed home and ate himself after death while collecting thousands of dollars each week on his fucking WCW contract. So he must have got so fat that he died. Well, actually, he died from a combination of high blood pressure, taking anxiety pills, and cocaine. Oh, well, that'll... I mean, I I understand why you take anxiety pills if you're taking coke, man. Like, it's like one is going to cancel out the other. I don't know. But anyway, uh... He died in 1945 in January 2007. Um, Bigelow... For for you movie fans, had a very memorable, small, short but memorable role in Major Pain, a uh, movie starring David Wayans as a drill sergeant. 
Okay, so that's it. I, I, yeah, I was thinking, man, he should he should do he should have done movies. He was uh, a great personality. Yeah, he, um, had, he had. I mean, he had that type of look where he could have. I thought he could have made a, a great monster, uh, a villain in many many movies. Just the look he had. Could have been a real like tough guy bully. Anybody before anybody. Yeah, and he had. He's like. Um, you know, I, I think he could have been like a leading man, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he could have carried a movie, I think. But uh, yeah, like no one that, ever thought of it. Like a biker hero or some shit. <laughs> oh yeah, he would have been great in uh, in that uh, what's that biker show that's uh, that's out there that just that just wrapped up. But anyway, um, he, he's a biker. You know, like all these biker shows that have um, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Like he he would be perfect for that. He had that look. He had that look. Yeah. Oh, bad, bad, big little from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Died at a very young age of 45. But by that time, his wrestling career was already over. His career was basically over when WCW folded because with his with, with his girth and the way he the physical the physical way he wrestled, he had a lot of injuries that would go to nag him, and he became addicted to painkillers, cocaine, and um he had a high high exact. I anxiety issues, um, you know, um, damn, just 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 sad the way he went out, young young age, forty five, bad bad Bigelow, and he brought a he brought a lot to to the wrestling world as you can see from these matches. One of my favorite big men of all time, if not my favorite big man of all time. Uh, yes, all right, man. Well, uh, we're we're gonna come back with the greatest performances of somebody else, but you know who it is. Uh, not yet, not yet, big man. We got so many to choose from. Um, I'll, I'll post it on Twitter. Uh, check us back on Sunday for the movie fans and boxing fans. We're going to do a fight recap of the great, it's going to be a great fight. The winner of tomorrow's fight is the fighter of the year, Miguel Cota versus Saul Canelo Alvarez for the ring middleweight uh, lineal championship of the world. And then we'll be discussing the movie Gridlocked, Tupac Shakur's last movie. Uh, Sunday as well, and um, as far as wrestling goes, greatest performance. I'll, I'll let you know before the end of the weekend. Sounds good, man. We're looking forward to that fight. It looks like it's going to be a, a big buy rate, and it's going to be a, one of the fights of the year for sure. Speaking of fights, speaking of fights, I, anybody who knows me, Logan knows me as well. Knows I can't stand MMA. I I consider it human cockfighting, but I want to say a big shout out to Holly Holm. Because she beat the shit out of that overrated, no booty bitch, Ronda Rousey. <laughs> and she did it with boxing. Yes, which shocked me because I've always been told, Logan, that a boxer can't beat a judo guy. <laughs> no, dude, you just stay away and put that jab on, dude. You, you, you'll win. Dude. You, boxing is the strongest martial art. It really is. Because. Oh Logan, how many years have we been told this? Oh, you can't, you can't just 